0: Hey mamas, I'm Alyssa, registered dietitian, picky eating specialist, and mama of two. You're listening to the Nutrition for Littles podcast, aimed at helping you raise healthy, independent eaters. Each week, we will tackle topics like picky eating, mealtime struggles, baby lead weaning, and so much more. Let's jump right into today's topic. Hey, 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 and welcome back to the podcast. I know it's been a minute, I have uh, inadvertently taken a break over the summer, but I'm so glad you're back with me today. I'm sharing a story of my son, my youngest son, and going through a suspected peanut allergy and what that all looked like. Um, I had shared this on my Instagram and so many of you resonated, reached out, um, either went through something similar or are worried about it and... Um, I did a story a story set kind of going through what we experienced, part of our story, and then also going through an oral challenge, which I'll get into in a minute. And so many of you um, just really resonated with it. So I figured I should get it here on podcast form. This is probably going to be at least a two-part episode, um, if not maybe even three parts, because I'd like to tell our story so you know kind of what to expect, what could happen, what might happen all of those sorts of things. But then I also want to get into some of the questions that you guys asked me and then just some basics around food allergies as well, recommendations, you know, things to look for, all the sorts of things. But today I want to tell you about our story with our son. So kind of traveling back in time here with me over the summer, my son was seven months old and we gave him peanuts and it was actually peanut butter and it was peanut butter spread on a piece of toast. So it was probably about a tablespoon, maybe a little bit less, but um a pretty decent amount for a baby, but it was spread pretty thin on peanut on toast and I let him feed it to himself. So we've been working through baby-led weaning and feeding himself and he had been doing really well. So I gave him this food. Now this was not the first time he had peanuts. However, the first two times that he had peanuts, it was such a small amount and i really think it just like went directly into his mouth. So the first time he actually licked peanut butter off my mom's finger, um it was just like a little smudge of it and he kind of kept, kept licking at it after she had made a peanut butter and jelly for the other kids. And it was funny cuz that was his first exposure to peanuts and i was not there. And um she returned it back to me and said, "Oh yeah, he was licking my finger, I had peanut butter all over it. It was so funny." And i was like, "Oh, well, i guess he's not allergic to peanut butter." <laughs> like uh, we had her peanuts, we had not given him peanuts yet. She's like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, 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 it's good. I mean, it was probably better. Like I don't have any anxiety about it. It's okay. He's doing well. Um, our other kids don't have peanut allergies. Our you know, immediate family don't have any peanut allergies in the family at all, let alone immediate family. My mom does have celiac, but other than that, no other food allergies that I know of um, in our family line. So Um, We are not high risk for food allergies, but of course, it's always something to be mindful whenever you're giving any of the top allergens. Uh, The second time he had peanuts was really part of a perfect bar. Um, If you guys have ever had those, they're kind of like a little crumbly, soft texture bar. And it was just like a little piece of that. And then he kind of played with the wrapper too. So Uh, you know, we felt pretty confident that he didn't have a peanut allergy, no big deal. And so I spread some on some toast for him and handed it over. And he, of course, demolished it. He was eating it, but also smearing it all over his face. And within about 15 minutes of eating this food, and he was honestly still eating it, he started to get red splotches around his mouth. Now he is very fair skinned and everything bothers his skin. Like I'm talking, if he crawls over my pant leg, a little piece of like gene material will irritate his skin. He'll just be a little bit red for like five or ten minutes. He will take a really hard nap and wake up and he'll have like a red blotch on his face for hours. Okay. He's just very fair-skinned, very sensitive, um, especially in comparison to our other kids. So I didn't think too much of it. Of course, like my mom senses were like, something looks a little off. Is he responding? Is this just like him kind of trying to get the toast in his mouth? The toast is a little bit rough. You know, he's grabbing at his face. But I also have like two other kids that I'm watching. Actually, at the time, we had um, friends of ours or family members of ours, rather, uh, were having a sleepover. So we had, gosh, six kids, all seven and under at our house, and we were doing a sleepover. So there was lots of kids, lots of stuff going on. So I'm paying attention to him, and I'm just realizing, okay, it's getting a little blotchy. I don't know what's happening. I'm not worried yet. He is like totally fine. He seems happy. No big deal. Well, then all of a sudden, I notice a pock kind of right above his lip. There's like a white raised bump. Um, It's a hive. Now I have never gotten hives. I don't think ever in my life have I gotten like a true, like several hives. I've gotten some red splotches that were a little itchy. I guess technically those are hives. I don't know. But at this point I've never seen like a raised white bump appear on my skin or any of my family member's skin in reaction to anything. So all of a sudden the alarm bells are going off like, okay, this is a reaction of some kind. To what? I'm not sure. Now, full disclosure here, I am a dietitian. I know a lot about feeding babies and allergies and all these sorts of things. We don't always take our own best advice, right? right? We can all agree on that. I'm sure there are times in your life where you would give different advice to a friend than what you took yourself. So for um, that night, we had also given him salmon. Now, about 30 minutes before And he had had salmon before as well. So these were two foods that he had had before. Now, those are both in the top nine allergenic foods. And so I probably shouldn't have given them back to back, but I did. So now all of a sudden I'm like, okay, is it the peanuts? Is it the salmon? What's happening? This is not normal. Something is happening. And as, you know, I'm kind of watching what's happening, he all of a sudden gets two, at least two more hives on his face and his face is just now red and blotchy. Now, if you are a visual person and would like a picture of this, I did put it on my Instagram and saved it to a highlight bubble called PB Allergy. Um, I, Well, you may know that I don't share my kids' faces on social media. However, I zoomed in. You can't really see everything. But what I will say is I feel like this is very important for parents to be able to see a picture of someone else's experience. I I just think it helps, right? I was Googling pictures. I was like, is this normal? I was sending it to my girlfriend who has a child with peanut allergy, like what's happening, you know, and um, ended up calling the pediatrician. Now, before I called the pediatrician, I put him in his car seat and drove him to the nearest ER. Well, actually not the nearest. Our, we have Children's Hospital Colorado in our backyard. And so I drove there and sat in their ER parking lot while I called the pediatrician. So it had probably been maybe about 15 minutes at this point from when I first noticed that he was getting red and blotchy and saw the hive especially. So it hadn't been very long, but I know from my experience, from my understanding of allergies that it can rapidly change, um, especially in obviously very high risk, scary situations. Things can rapidly go downhill, and I did not want to be at home just kind of waiting it out, hoping and praying that everything worked out. Like, this is my baby, right? And so um, I got nervous and scared, as I think most moms or parents would, Um, although my husband did not. He was like, it's fine. It'll go away. And I was like, you don't understand. Peanuts are scary. Like, I immediately went to, like, threat level midnight um, and just kind of really started to worry. Now, of course, another recommendation I would give officially is to only give food allergens, especially the first handful of times, because believe it or not, majority of the time, if they have a reaction to food, it's not on the first time that they have that food. It's oftentimes the second or third time, so um, or even beyond that. But I would recommend if you're going to feed this food, especially peanuts, to do it during business hours of your pediatrician. I did not do that. It was like 6.30 p.m. It wasn't late, but it certainly was not during business hours. So I called the pediatrician, got in touch with the on-call um, doctor, and he uh, advised us to take a little bit of Benadryl. So by the time my mom actually met me, because Josh was staying back with you know the other five kids that we were hosting um, at our house. Now by the time my mom got to the hospital parking lot, I had calmed down. He was doing completely fine. Um, his face and like blotchiness was already starting to go down. The hives were still there, but they were pretty light in color. Like you could tell things were getting better, um, and I was far less worried now just something to keep in mind this did not bother him at all like he did not seem bothered by the actual reaction he was bothered by me putting him in a car seat when he should be going to bed and driving him to the hospital right and so he was upset about that he was rubbing his face of course he still has like peanuts on his hands um, well at that point we had washed off before we got in the car seat but still like he had been wiping or rubbing his eyes his face so the blotchiness was just kind of all over so he looked a little swollen to me his face did I don't know if he actually was. But in talking with the allergy doctor, which we'll get there, it was not a typical like swelling like she usually sees with the reaction. She, uh, the nurse practitioner who we ended up seeing said that typically if there's swelling, like facial swelling with an allergy, it's like in a, like you know, like it's not like, I don't know, is it swollen? It's like, oh, this is swollen. Like the lip is huge, the eye is huge, the ear is huge whatever it might be. Um, so it wasn't like that, but I think his face was just like irritated and a little bit inflamed. So it wasn't horrible, but the pictures we have of him are so heartbreaking and just, you can tell it's not himself. Like it's not his normal self. Now that being said, so we did give him a little Benadryl, um, as per the recommendation of the pediatrician, just to reverse the reaction that was happening in his body. But by then, everything had pretty much calmed down. Looking back, I probably didn't even have to do the Benadryl. Um, but I also felt more comfortable you know, putting him down for bed after giving him Benadryl because it, I would have probably been up all night checking on him because there are latent reactions that can happen an hour, two hours, even up to I think it's 12 hours later um, from a food, which is scary as a parent to then put your kid down for a 14-hour sleep, hoping everything's okay. So I felt good doing that. Uh, the next day, of course, I called our pediatrician and scheduled an appointment to be seen because in order to go to the allergy clinic, we had to get a um, valid or like current well check done for him, which we hadn't done. And so I had to go in and get him, you know, just weighed and all the things. So we did that and then scheduled the allergy clinic. Now, a lot of people are asking how I decided to go where. And the main thing was that I went to someone who I trusted in our community to give me advice. And that was Diana from The Decluttered Mom. I think she has a podcast actually as well if you want to go check it out. But she has a child, like I was saying earlier, with a peanut allergy and has, and she's older too. So it's been several years she's been um, going through this. And so I know that she is also a researcher. So I really trusted her opinion on this. On top of our pediatrician, who I love our pediatrician's office, gave us about three or four different places that we could go. And among those three or four places was the one that Diana recommended. So I already knew I wanted to go there. And on top of that, it is Children's Hospital Colorado, which is one of the top leading hospitals in America as far as healthcare goes. So and it's close. Well, at least one of their campuses is close. Okay, I wanna speed this up for you, but uh, essentially we called and got an appointment, but it was like three months out and I knew that time was really sensitive, so I just kept calling back until they could scoot us in on someone else's cancellation. We still didn't get in until September, um, and this reaction happened at the end of July. So it was still almost two months later before we could actually go in and see an allergist. The initial appointment I was really excited for, I was like, not excited, I guess isn't the right word, but ready for, I wanted to walk away with answers, I didn't necessarily get answers. Um, I got a little bit of clarity here and there. We got to talk through our story. And essentially that doctor's job was to assess how serious or how high the risk is that he is truly allergic. And then once he assessed that risk, then he made the decision on what to do next. Now, do I know all the protocols? Absolutely not. I'm not going to pretend to know exactly the thought process behind this, but I do know that I trusted this doctor so much not only because he works at one of like the leading hospitals, but he's also one of the leading experts and um, thought leaders behind allergy research in the field. And so he has a ton of research articles out there that he has headed up, that he has analyzed, that he has given protocols for. And I felt really confident that he was willing to change his protocols based on current research quickly. This is very important to me in all like facets of medicine that I think a lot of medicine gets wrong, in my opinion, is that they wait too long to implement changes based on what the research is actually saying. This is especially important in allergy research because it's changing all the time. We have therapies today that we didn't have five years ago, that we didn't have 10 years ago, that no one even thought was possible 20 years ago, to the point where now people with peanut allergies are able to get to a place where they can tolerate up to about a tablespoon or two of peanut butter or peanuts and not die. Like This is Huge news because not that long ago did we believe that people with severe peanut allergies couldn't even like, like this is why airplanes stopped carrying peanuts, right? is because even just the thought of them being in the air made people worry that maybe someone could have an anaphylactic response and then they could die, right? And so this is a big deal that now they've come out with new therapies to get them to a place where they can tolerate peanuts and it's no longer a life-threatening situation. Obviously, not in all cases, but we'll get there. Okay, this feels like a good place to remind you that I am a dietitian. In fact, not a pediatrician or a doctor of any kind. And although yes, I do have extensive research or um, experience and education around food allergies, it is certainly not my specialty. Nor am I like able to give official medical advice. So again, this is just our story, and it lines up with what I learn as a dietitian and practice and teach. So. That being said, when he was seen by that initial doctor who I really, really love, um, we just had a conversation around this. What happened? What did it feel like? What did it look like? You know, what did he experience? What has he experienced with other foods or other whatever? Um, what does your family history look like? So, based on everything I've basically told you, He was pretty confident, of course, he can't say with certainty, that it was not a true reaction. It was likely a contact allergy, a skin reaction to peanut butter. And especially because peanut butter is so acidic, it can have a real inflammatory response to the skin, not necessarily a full-on peanut protein allergy, which is what we see when it can lead to life-threatening situations. So based on all that, and again, from the doctor's perspective of gathering all the information and the fact that he was kind of deemed this low risk, of course, not a zero risk chance of having a true peanut protein allergy, he told me that the best course of action or what he would recommend is an oral challenge. Now, this is exactly what I wanted. This is what I had hoped was going to happen that day. Of course, I was way wrong about that. So we'll get into details about that in a minute. But I had hoped that he would do an oral challenge because this is like one of the most clear ways to walk away and know for certain if they truly have an allergy or not. The blood test, the skin prick, the all the all all those sorts of tests can be helpful in collecting data and information and might be the next best step for your child or for someone else's child. However, in this situation, he told me that doing the blood work test could be a good first step, especially if I was super anxious and if I wanted to just kind of like a heads up. But in that case, that it really only tells you if your blood will recognize peanut protein. It won't necessarily tell you if it mounts a response, which is what I've learned in my research and what I talk to clients about as well. So Yes, a blood test might be indicated especially if the parent is more anxious, if there's a family history, if you know, something else is going on. It just kind of like perks your antennas up, but you still have to do more digging, right? And so he said, "I can do a blood test for you, but you're not going to walk away with answers. It's just going to kind of like open the door to what our next step would be after that." So I had already come in the door kind of with this idea of wanting to do an oral challenge. And I had kind of all this research and had kind of told him that. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm probably the doctor on the top of all those research articles that you brought in, that you're talking about, that you're referencing. And I would recommend an oral challenge. It's exactly what I wanted to do. So that was our next step. Now, if you're asking yourself what an oral challenge is, let me kind of go over it in mom-to-mom terms, right? So an oral challenge is basically a place where you take your – um Your son or daughter in, and they monitor them while they give them doses of peanuts. Now, again, huge asterisk here. This is something to be done under the supervision of a pediatrician. So many people ask me, Can you do this yourself at home? Of course, we all know that we can do whatever we want, but when we're considering the health and safety of our child, the best place to do this is under the supervision of a doctor. And on top of that, I knew myself that if I tried to do this at home just to like, See what would happen. A, the risk was way too high for me to feel comfortable. Um, But on top of that, I also knew that if my son had any sort of reaction, like maybe he spiked a fever or um, vomited or he had skin issues or whatever it might have been that could have happened at home, I, in my untrained eye, would not know if that was related to peanuts or like a coincidence, right? Like, Like I was saying before, especially with his skin, like he crawls over my leg and I'm wearing jeans, he gets a red spot. And I would see that and go, oh my gosh, is that because of peanuts? And I would never truly know. And one of the worst things that we can do with peanut allergies in today's day and age with the research that we have is to assume they have a peanut allergy and just not give them access to peanuts. And so... The best case scenario for me and what I'd recommend to anyone is if an oral challenge is indicated, which it is not, unless you already have a response or there's like a high likelihood that they're going to have a response, whatever that looks like. This is not just like for any typical child that's low risk to introduce peanuts. This is because he had a initial reaction to peanuts and we needed to figure out what was going on. So I would recommend it. So of course, this was a separate appointment, which I was bummed about, but I also understand, especially because I found out that it is a five-hour long appointment, and that's if everything goes to plan and well. So he scheduled me for an appointment. He put in a rush order because time is of the essence. He's young. The earlier we can get him in, if something were to pop up that he has an allergy, the earlier we can get him started on any sort of therapy is for the better. So We scheduled them for that next Monday to come in and do a five hour long oral food challenge for peanuts. All right. So what that looked like is we showed up um, at 8am and this place is over an hour away from me. So we drove in Denver traffic, which makes you want to vomit. Um, But we got there at 8am and checked in and then the challenge started a little bit before nine essentially like they check him in they do an initial baseline check of his skin gums teeth mouth eyes pretty up temperature like blood pressure um blood oxygen levels like every vital you can think of they're checking for a baseline and then what they do is essentially eight doses of peanuts mixed into applesauce slowly increasing the dose of peanuts the amount of peanuts over each dose every 20 minutes so every 20 minutes, the nurse would come in, mix a little bit of the peanut powder, the pv 2 powder with some applesauce, give him um, the serving until he finished it, and then would walk out of the room. And there's like a big glass window so she can, of course, see. I can go get them if we need it. Um, but essentially, then she would come back in 20 minutes, do an entire check, skin, mouth, eyes, temperature. Um, they didn't do like um, blood oxygen or blood pressure or anything in between. They listened to his breathing. But unless there was an indicator to do more vital signs, they just did like the basics. Looked for any signs and symptoms of a reaction, and then gave him another um, dose. So we did that eight times, and he wasn't allowed to eat from 7 a.m. until after like the final dose was given. So that was hard for him. Like obviously he was eating the applesauce, but it's not much, and so that was really hard for me. He got really tired. He got really hungry. Right around dose like four and five, it started to get really rough, and obviously like rough is relative, right? Because I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, there are some kids who have to fast for 24 hours before they get a procedure done. There are kids, you know, babies who have to do that. There of course are a million different circumstances that are way harder than this. Uh, But the reality of it is, is that it was hard. We were in a tiny room, no siblings allowed. So it was just me. Um, My husband stayed home with our daughter and our other son was in school, but it was just me with him in this tiny room. That's not like obviously baby proof. They did have a mat for him, which was nice. I brought toys and things to entertain him. Um, but I wasn't allowed to nurse him, which is really hard when he's upset. Uh, wasn't allowed to give him food. We could walk around, which was kind of nice, entertain him that way. Um, but essentially it got really hard around dose four or five. He did better after that. He's not allowed to sleep either. So of course, um, which makes sense because they want to just observe him. So after dose eight, he he did kind of rally there at the end but after dose 8 then they just put him basically in observation for 2 hours just coming and checking on him every 30 minutes to see if something comes up. Now after dose 8 I was able to nurse him um and then 30 minutes after that he was able to eat solid food so we snacked, he napped on me, we had a little picnic lunch in there and then soon enough our 2 hours were up and nothing had popped up. Now I say that now but after every 20 minute increment every time the nurse would come in to check on him, he did end up having like a weird little mark on his skin. Like I said, he's very fair. He's very sensitive. So crawling over my jeans. Um, One time, I think he crawled over a book. One time he fell into me and my ring, he kind of like got his um, hair and head, like bumped my ring. So it made a little mark. I don't know. At one point he had this little like mark on his belly that we think was from crawling over a toy or something like that. So there was like always a little thing to look at. They were very meticulous, very thorough. He had a sneezing fit one time when she came in, which is very normal for him. And she's like, oh, I'm going to let the doctor know. And I was like, okay, just so you know, it's normal. But yes, please, like, (laughs) please let her know. Um, There was something else. Oh, he like gurgled and burped um, after breastfeeding. And she was like, okay, I'm going to write that down. Like they were very thorough, which I appreciate because then you know, like that everything's getting looked at from all angles, right? Right. They were super sweet, super kind with him, super patient when he was frustrated, and um, we passed, which was incredible. And obviously not everyone's story, um, but we passed. And what that means is we get to come home and now feed him peanut butter often. And she said specifically, and this is recommendations for allergies once they don't have a reaction to introduce all or keep those allergens in their diet early and often. So we wanna be regularly exposing him. She recommended the Bomba, like peanut butter puff snacks, which we had never done with other, our other kids, but it seems like a very convenient way to keep it in his diet, especially with two other kids running around. Um, and I don't really want to keep doing peanut butter because it's so smeary and can still cause like a reaction on his skin. Now he'll grow out of that, but at least that's what we're told. Um, but I don't really want to give him like smeary peanut butter every day and have to deal with that. So um, we got the Bomba, like puff snacks or whatever on the way home. And now about every other day, we want to put peanuts in his diet. So we are working on that right now. Um, But we basically got the all clear to move ahead. Now, I'm not going to go into like specifics, because again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not, you know, making anyone's treatment plan. But just because I know as a mom, I was immediately thinking either no reaction to peanut or like, again, threat level midnight (laughs) reaction to peanuts, where it's like the EpiPen and all the things, which by the way, I didn't mention, but After the initial reaction to peanuts, I did get a prescription for an EpiPen, which in America used to be really expensive. Now it was like $20 for me to get, um, we got four total for 20 bucks. So obviously it depends on your insurance, but um, way, way, way more reasonable than they used to be just to carry around until our allergist appointment to see if we needed them. So that was really nice. It felt very comforting to know I had that in my back pocket, um, especially amongst traveling over the summer, all the things. And now it just kind of feels nice for being at the park for any kid who might need it or anything. But um, I did have that. But that being said, I remember just feeling like, okay, if there's a reaction to peanuts, it's going to go to 100. And I just want to alleviate those fears for moms out there that, of course, there's a lot of gray. So even if your child does have a reaction to peanuts, that doesn't mean they will always have a food allergy, it doesn't mean that it's going to be like a threat level a thousand. Of course it can be, but, um, I think that's important to know because I was so spinny about, oh my gosh, this means that the next time that he has peanuts, his siblings eat peanuts and then give him a kiss, like what's that going to mean? What's that going to do to him? You know, and it's scary. It's scary as a parent (laughs) period, but especially as an allergy parent, um, I only got a tiny tiny taste of what it might be like to be a true allergy mom, especially with a scary allergy like peanuts. And it was heavy. It was heavy. It was a lot of just mental space that it occupied. It was scared to leave my baby. Um it was scary to think, uh, did we have the epipen? like there was one time where we left it in the car and I was like, oh my gosh, what if we need it? you know, And I made my husband go back and get it. you know, because it's these moments that are just so uncertain and I didn't know. I didn't know. And now obviously looking back, it's like, yeah, Now it's easy to say that it would have been fine, but in the moment you just don't know. And unfortunately, I have had and heard too many stories of it not being okay that live rent free in my brain. So I do want to encourage moms out there that not only is there a wide range of how allergic they are, what their response is, but there's also therapies out there designed specifically for children who have different types of responses, different levels of response to build up their tolerance to peanuts. In different capacities. So I got thousands of DMs over the past few weeks talking about this. And on top of that, of course, the research that's out there, that they are doing what's called oral immunotherapy, basically microdosing peanuts again under the um under the supervision of a pediatrician, an allergist specifically, but essentially microdosing peanuts to get them to a place where they can tolerate them in total, or a certain amount of them. Um, before there was like a serious response. And that's super encouraging. And I just feel like moms need to hear that. So um, that's kind of where we're at now. I'm so grateful our story has turned out the way that it did, as quickly as it did. I know so many of you are in the throes of oral immunotherapy and it's scary and it's hard and it's time consuming, Um, but it's hopeful, right? It's hopeful. So send this to a mom who maybe recently got a reaction from peanuts from their little one. Send this to a friend who's an allergy mom. Send this to a friend who hasn't introduced, you know, anything yet as encouragement. Um I do just want to say to the true allergy parents out there, you have my heart. You will always occupy a part of my brain, a part of my heart. It's really hard and it's really scary. And on top of that going to the children's hospital, just the gratefulness that I felt walking out of there each time um, with a healthy baby, knowing that that could very easily not be the case is very humbling, is very, um, very good perspective and a good reminder. So if that's you, especially if you have a child who has an allergy, I'm thinking of you and I will continue to talk about it and raise awareness because I do think that it's something that's just brushed off really easily. I think people make you feel like you're crazy, like you're overreacting, like your kid would just be fine. Um, And it's scary. And it's okay to be cautious. Of course, we don't want to live our life in fear. And of course, I'm hoping that this podcast raises awareness that there is options out there to talk to your doctor, to make sure you find a good allergist who is practicing off of current medical research around allergies, um, not what was current 10 years ago or 20 years ago, because it's always changing. And to always, always, always challenge the doctor. They are working for you. They're working for you. So put them to work, compare them to other people, just like you would compare insurance companies. (laughs) And just like you wouldn't compare, um, I don't know, cars on the market, if you're buying a car or whatever it might be, compare your doctor and make sure that you have a good one who's on your side, who's following current research, who is pushing the boundaries to really help you and your child live a more free life um, around food because it can feel really limiting and scary. And yeah, I think that's it for this episode. Obviously it went long welcome back to the podcast. (laughs) I'm so glad that you're here. Um, I will be uploading weekly from here on out and I'm very excited to get started on that. I've got lots of things in the works for the podcast. Um, And like I said, this is going to be a few part series where we can get into more questions that I was asked and some more kind of general recommendations. So I think it'll at least be one more part, maybe two. Stay tuned, subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And I will see you next week.